Don't be a jerk, said his older brother. I know what to do, said his father to his mother. Hello? Good morning, sir. Good morning, you? Dan. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Doing well. By doing good. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with this, this fake accent. I like Why it. I, I like that? it more every week. I don't know. It's awful. What, what is it? What, what, what am I supposed to be? Am I like John Houseman? What am I? <laughs> Barriers. Outside communication. I don't know. I look like to your it. Left. Look to your left and look to your right. Now stop looking in other places. Look at me. And it reminds me of the, uh, the thing my driving instructor said to me. Look left, go left. Hmm. Still don't know what it means. You lead with your eyes. <laughs> you also eat first with your eyes. <laughs> this, you eat, this, eat. <laughs> this one sees salty. <laughs> mm. Oh my eyes! How was the super? How was the Super Bowl up there? <laughs> how was how was the game? The event? The impact? Yeah, yeah, all good. Yeah, five by five. <laughs> oh, big big wins! Everybody's happy. Yes. Woo! Bud Light. To uh, uh, lose any money on the game, or <laughs> just my soul? Just your soul? Just my soul? Yeah, yeah. I had the soul at uh, three to two. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that means. I I, I watched most of the game. I watched a lot of the game. Um, yeah, it's been, it's had quite an impact. Excuse me. I'm a little bit horse. I'm a, I'm a pony. I'm a tiny horse. <laughs> tiny uh, one. I just I bought, I bought my little girl a, uh, a little horse today. Like a humanity horse? N uh, no, it doesn't move or anything. It's a bra brayer, brayer horse. A oh, brayer horse. Uh, it's like, a bray. it's like a donkey, like a donkey horse. It's, uh, hold on. It says, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a little, it's a little brayer. It's, it's one of those horses that's, um. Looks very realistic, but it's frozen in a single position for all eternity. I know what you mean. It's a high quality horse. Yeah, yeah, I've seen those. They come and they got them in bins. Do they? Oh, oh, those are different. Okay, this is this is a bespoke Brayer. Brayer is a higher end than the I think the <clears throat> Schlage Schlage. Oh, I was thinking of the Schlage. Yeah, I was thinking of the Schlage bins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Where are your Schlage bins? <laughs> That's nice. Kids, nice, kids like nice Schlages. My schlegs. <laughs> yeah, you get a free bowl of soup. <sighs> looks good on well, you, though. <laughs> looks good on you, though. The um, the yeah, the Super Bowl, which was not in San Francisco, um, Santa Clara, I heard Santa Clara, and then the mayor just quit today. So that's a good sign. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, the mayor of Santa Clara just quit. Can you do that? I thought when you're elected, you got to serve. He's only got three years left on his term. So <laughs> NBD. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. So things are going great. Uh, big, big week. Uh, they had the Super Bowl. And so there were events here. The Metallica played uh, oh. at the at the baseball arena. Mm -hmm. There was lots of Bud Light. Um, I we we avoided the whole thing, but yeah. I watched it on the television. I watched a lot of the first half and I watched the halftime show. But um, my family was away for the weekend. My the rest of my family, that's not me. And so I was binging on um, a TV show called The Leftovers. Oh, yeah. You know, I watched some of that and there were a lot of people who said, give it time, give it time uh, to, to get sucked into it. And I, I, I didn't, I don't think I gave it enough time. I stopped watching. Do you, did, was it wonderful? Well, it's one of those things where uh, I, I liked it a lot, but I think it does help that I had low expectations because it was very provisionally with asterisks recommended by Syracuse and, uh, but he's like, you know, but it's, you know, it's weird and it's, it's heartbreaking and stuff. But, um, I like it a lot. I think it's really good. So I watched all of the first season in about a day and a half 
And uh, I liked it a lot. I, uh, the cast is great. I don't want to spoil it for you, but I guess what I would say is it is slow paced. If you're super busy, you probably don't want to get into it because the pacing is a little, it's a little, little slow, but very rewarding. You know, you know, it's that uh, Damon, Damon Lindelof. Right. Okay. One of the co-creators of Lost. Right. And it has a lot of that same feeling where a lot of stuff is introduced very quickly. You don't know what it means. And then the mystery box kind of gets opened a little at a time and you spend a lot of time with each character separately. And it's, uh, it's very, very good. So you watched the, you've seen at least the first one, right? I have, I've seen a few of them and oddly I saw the first episode of the second season and I really liked that one. I can't wait. I'm holding off. John says I should wait before I jump into the second season and he's my guru for these things. Right. But you know, when I heard the premise of it, I, I was like, oh, this sounds like a million other shows that I would never watch more than an episode of. The basic right. premise is that one day, was it October 14th, 2011, uh, suddenly 2% of the population of the planet just disappears. And no one knows why or why it happened to those people or whatever. But, and this picks up three years after that, um, you know, in the world after that. And it's, it's, it's super interesting. That Justin Thoreau is great. The, the the star the, oh yeah the the, uh, the writer the uh, Walden guy no uh, yeah that's right that's right Justin Thoreau the the <laughs> actually that's his uncle I think is the travel writer oh. but uh, it's really good and you know uh, good cast so really depressing but very well done why am I so hoarse what's wrong with me I've been I don't yelling know. humanity <clears throat> you were at the game you're at the big game go touchdown the big sports event of the week is that Daniel Bryan has announced his retirement from wrestling. Oh, really? It's just big stuff, yeah. Everybody loves Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Seriously? He's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you some links. I'll send you some WrestleMania stuff to watch. You know, I, in, in all seriousness, I, I've always enjoyed, ever since I was a kid, I've always enjoyed football, college, NFL. Um, but, you know, with what we know about, like, CTE now, it's... It just gets harder and harder for me to enjoy it the same way that I did because I, I just I feel bad. Like I think about the collisions, I think about all this happening, I think about it, and it just it makes me for the same reason I as a kid growing up, especially in my very early teens, like loved boxing. Right. Not to the point where I wanted to be a boxer. I, I had no uh, delusions about that, but. I really, really liked it. And then the more we learned about it and the more I kind of realized at, at, like as I entered adulthood, young adulthood and then adulthood that like, wow, people are really getting hurt doing this. And it takes, it's hard for me to enjoy it the way that I used to enjoy it. And I hate that. I hate that. Right. Uh, so, you know, like I can't, I feel like, the, it, and then as soon as the Super Bowl, the hype around it, there's other articles. I was reading one in the New York Times uh, and, and then like the, the new OJ, uh, show, have you seen that? I've seen the first one. Yeah. Uh, I think that is a phenomenal show and really, yes, I loved it. And the doctor, uh, who is the one who pioneered uh, in, in the movie concussion played by Will Smith, uh, um, is that how I say his name? Anyway, the doctor who pioneered the, the understanding of this kind of traumatic head injury stuff. Uh, said that he would bet his medical license on the fact that OJ is suffering, has been suffering, and is suffering from this. So it's, oh man, you know, like I just, I, I want to watch something without a guilty conscience when I, when it comes to sports. But I, just, I like, I feel guilty enjoying it almost, which sucks. But I don't know. I, uh, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I have, I have the. I mean, I'm not a, a sports fan by any stretch, but 
especially of that particular game. Oh my. Um, but uh, were you making a reference to Daniel Bryan when you mentioned that? Because do you know about Daniel Bryan? Uh, no, I don't. Well, I, I, he's, I he's don't this amazing, he's... like, you know, everybody pulls for him because they cast him from the beginning as being like the underdog. Nobody likes him. He's constantly being humiliated. And he eventually, I mean, it's all part of the storyline. Yeah. But, you know, he becomes this great character. And I mean, I've seen interviews and like a documentary about him and he seems like a genuinely great guy. And, you know, you can love or hate pro wrestling, but once you get into it and open yourself up to what's really going on, it gets far more interesting, actually far scarier, like what's going on. Really? But, you know, the reason he retired is they won't let him wrestle anymore. He's had too many concussions. He's like, oh. he's like in his early thirties, I think. And he says in his, I'm looking here at the text of his um, retirement address. Within the first five months of my wrestling career, I already had three concussions. For years after that, I would get a concussion here and there. It's the point where you've been wrestling for 16 years and that adds up to a lot of concussions. Wow. Can you imagine that? Same, same problems, you know, that, that, that everyone else is having, but you know, I don't know. Well, yeah. And it's, I mean, there are really similarities. I mean, you know, not to, you know, break kayfabe or whatever, but you know, the people who know, watch wrestling enjoy it for reasons in a way different than you might expect. It's not the stereotype, you know, um, I don't think it's always the stereotype that people make it out to be. Not that it's the brainiest thing in the world, but there's a lot of people you know that like wrestling and just don't talk about it. Right. But right. but it is it is fascinating because you know there's all, there's all kinds of levels to what's going on. I mean, there's the level of like, yeah, we all get that this is a performance. They now call it performance. They now call it, I think the WWF lost their lawsuit to the World Wildlife Foundation, so they changed the name to... WWE, know. right? Right, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of... These guys are very... Uh, these performers are very... They're great athletes and they're such professionals and they don't want to hurt each other. I mean, that would make them, that would be like an actor who like actually sh shoots somebody in a play. <laughs> right, like that's, right. That's not how it works. Yeah. So they, you know, they rehearse so much and they, they work so hard not to have these injuries. It's actually, I think I've said this on here before, but it seems, I don't, I can't state this for a fact, but it seems much more uncollegial to cause an injury in wrestling than it would be in football. Because uh -huh. in football, you go, oh, yeah, you know, that's all part of the game. That's all part of this macho get inside somebody's head game by roughing them up. But you, you, I think my sense is you don't want to do that. If you want to be a pro with any longevity in wrestling, you have to be very, uh, you know, cooperative. But, you know, these people are getting bonked on the head. I mean, it's going to that's going to happen. But I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it really has tainted the entire sport, hasn't it? It's it's hard to think about football at this point without thinking about what's what's happening and what grenades are still rolling around the stuff exactly. that we don't even can't or can't know about injuries that have happened already yeah and it it does it does sort of take the fun out of it and it's it's funny because my um my son was talking to me about football and that kinds of things he's like dad you know do you think i should play football i'm like no probably not you know and i i wouldn't i wouldn't want him to play football especially because like it's contact football they're not playing flag football they're and even even so they're like I would rather him do almost any other sport than that. Mm -hmm. You know, if he wanted to do one, even martial arts and things like that, I would much rather him do that, uh, which are, can be quite violent and, and, you know, things like that. So like, it's not the violence that I have the problem with. It's the fact that, you know, they, they do know about this, but they're not doing anything to make it safer. You know, they're not doing anything. I don't, I don't want to be on like a, you know, a, a podium about this or pedestal or anything. It's just, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's like, I just want to sit down and enjoy a game. Like in the back of my head, it's like, mm. well, it's, you know, I think one way to look at it. And again, I'm an outsider. I don't follow this stuff closely, but, and I haven't seen that movie you mentioned, but you know, w one aspect of this is, well, if you, if you play this game plus or minus 20%, the way you're suppo supposed to play this game, um, what are the chances of getting injured? 
Yeah. And if you play plus or minus 20% the way you're supposed to play this game, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be injured. I mean, even, even just in like practices anyway. Yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking because you just see what this does to people. And in the case of, um, was it Ken Stabler? You know, well, apparently with the CTE, you can't tell whether somebody had it until post-mortem. That's right. It's not like a, you can't put somebody in a MRI and say, well, yeah, you got football disease, you know? I don't think you can. I think it's one of those things that is absolutely just, it, it happens, uh, it happens. They, you can't tell except perhaps by their behavior, which could be caused by lots of other things. There's no way to prevent it if you have it really, or heal from it. And, uh, and then, you know, not, not everyone who's dying from this dies in such a public way of like, committing suicide or whatever so that that you know they might die and we don't we don't do the autopsy or they don't have their brain studied so we don't know i don't know yeah what you think of the game i mean i could talk of the whole show about that it, it, it you know for people who only watch one football game a year it would suck for it to be the super bowl and it is and uh, because very rarely do we have a Super Bowl that's a very, very good game. I mean, we have it occasionally, but it's not, you know, I've seen many, many games over, uh, over the, just the regular season that, uh, were way, way, way better than what we had with the Super Bowl. I mean, there's, there's so many, I mean, there, you know, like there was a game back in the, I think it was a week, Week two or three, which I'm a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. It was the Eagles uh, Cowboys game. You know that was a, that was a, a really good game. You know back in September. So like you know like that was that as good as the Super Bowl it was pretty good. You know like there's I don't know it's 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 one of those things that I I often feel like if this was the one game that you were actually going to really sit down to watch in the year that that you're kind of going to be disappointed in it and. I was totally disappointed in in this game because you know you just you just watch an ineffective defense. Anyway, I don't we don't have to make no no I know what you mean it all about that. But oh, you know people don't I, probably listen to this for the sports as much as for the comics. oh, of course they do. Are you kidding? <laughs> they love our coverage of all the great sports. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I you know I haven't followed football in years, and but you know it's funny. I remember growing up, and I think I told you before, my family you know had season tickets to the Bengals from the first season, so yeah. they were you know at a game almost every Sunday somewhere. But um, the thing that strikes me is, you know, the, the conventional wisdom for a long time used to be that baseball is really boring because a bunch of guys just stand around right. and one person is doing something with the ball at a time and it's not very interesting. And the conventional wisdom used to be that stuff like soccer and especially football are more exciting because, you know, there's, there's always something happening. The clock doesn't stop except for what out of bounds and injuries and timeouts. My, my impression watching football after not watching it for years is if it feels like the game has really slowed down. It feels like there's so many, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe people have gotten better at clock management, but like the, it just seems like there's constantly, you know, there's a yellow flag going down and there's a timeout and there's a this and there's a replay and there's a that. It just feels like the momentum that I remember being there in football. Is it just me or has the game slowed down? You know, I've, I've heard people say that a lot. And so I think it, there, it is true. Um, you know, I remember being a kid and it feeling like the gameplay was much less interrupted that yes, there were still, there were still timeouts. Of course, there were still breaks in, in the natural flow of the game, but it, I don't know why, but I, I feel like I could, you'd sit and watch and then like, there'd be a commercial every 
few minutes, but it wasn't like it is now where there are so many little built-in pauses and interruptions in the media driving so much of it. And and I think that's one reason why people still truly enjoy college football, especially in, you know, if you go to see it in 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 the stadium, but even just on TV, it it feels like there's less interruption, which is of course a beautiful segue to the rest of our program interruptions. But hmm. I don't know what happened and when that really changed, but it is such a marketing machine now. It's all about the commercials and the interruptions and the product placements and you know our Pepsi halftime show. Like yes, I get that like Pepsi's the sponsor, but do we really need to see the Pepsi logo quite so much? Like well, I guess we and do. They need to you distinguish know? that this is the official luxury car of the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's right. But uh, you know, I, I and obviously the Super Bowl is probably not a good one to gauge that by because again, you got the halftime show, you got all this this other stuff going on. But I feel like you know some of the things I've enjoyed the most, like back when I was watching football more like in the eighties, yeah was uh, when, the, when the clock was running down, maybe the other side was out of timeouts, and you would see these really fast formations. Like, to me, that's some of the most exciting football is, like, small yardage running plays with very little time left on the clock, like, just trying to really push, you know, to get to the goal line. That's, that's some of my favorite stuff. Yeah. You know, or, or the opposite of just, you know, running down the clock. You're like, oh, God, come on, you guys. Anyway, foot, football, right? Football. <clears throat> Wonder why I'm a horse. <sighs> got a cat what got a cat you have a cat now got a cat when did this happen last night last night Mm -hmm. well congratulations thanks we've officially uh, adopted are you uh are you happy about this yeah yeah i am it's uh you know it's still early days i mean the cat's very it's gonna take a while for it to get adjusted but is it a a full-grown cat that you adopted as a kitten yeah yeah it's it's like it's like a young adult cat or a middle-aged cat middle-aged it's like seven or eight, I think. Seven or eight months or weeks or years. 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 Okay. Uh-huh. So that's a, that's a full grown animal. I think it's got a few more miles on the tires. Oh okay. yeah. Yeah. It's extremely mellow, but you know, it's still, it's a new house. And so it'll take a while. Yeah. I don't have too much to say about it, except it's kind of exciting. And, uh, you know, it, does the cat have a name? Yeah. I, I can't reveal it on the air. Okay. All right. Tell me, tell me later. Cause it's, it's too sweet. It's a precious angel. Okay. It's okay. a little, uh, little Persian cat with a little smashed up face. Is it really? Like cute. a crook, crookshanks? Like, oh, hey, nice pull. A little bit, yeah. And you can shave it if you want it to look funny. Oh, make it a lion. Make it look like a lion in the summertime. Oh, it, it looks like a lion, buddy. <laughs> it's pretty cute. I like that. I'll send you a photo. Yeah, I want to see oh, it. Let me find a photo. Why don't you, um, looks like we got three sponsors this we week. Do. We do, we have three. Tell me about something you like. I would like to tell you to start off with about Warby Parker. A new, a new, con- I wish we had like space music. A new concept in eyewear. Have you ever noticed that uh, like o- it's only the local businesses that feel like they need a theme song about their company like the you know like a local mattress company that's or a local steam cleaning company like they always have a song or a jingle or something that sure but like a national company doesn't need that not anymore oh, i i think we should do one for warby they don't have one Oh yeah, I could work on that. I I, I could give give them a freebie for that. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, they can run with it or not. But their philosophy is that your a pair of glasses should not cost as much as an iPhone. Their prescription glasses, this is with the lenses, not just the frames, starts at ninety five bucks. That's very shockingly affordable. And they also have what they call their titanium collection, which are uh, probably made from from titanium. That starts at 145 bucks. Again, this includes the lenses, and it's uh, they use a Japanese 
titanium and uh, French non-rocking screws. None of that Italian non-rocking screws. Forget the Italian kind. You don't want the Italian kind. Options, you get both glasses. They got readers for, for guys like us. You can get sunglasses and all, they all have the anti-reflective and anti-glare coating, no additional cost. I mean, this is the real deal. They come with a nice hard case and, uh, and you don't need to get anything else. It even has a little uh, cleaning cloth in there. It's lovely. It's all done online. It's risk-free and they've got this really cool home try-on program where you go to the website and you pick five pairs of frames that you like. They ship you the frames. You get to try them on, you know, put them on, wear them around the house, show them to your friends, take pictures. Share them on your uh, your Twitter, and then you get five days, and then you can send them back. All this is free. All of it's prepaid return. You send it back, and you're like, okay, I want you know of the five that I picked, I want to get a pair in this, and it's only ninety five bucks. So it's really awesome, really great, great company. They've been a sponsor of ours for a very long time. Uh, Warby Parker. It's spelled W A R B Y. Warby Parker dot com slash Dan is the URL for this show. So warbyparker.com slash Dan. It's your show. It is, I guess. It is now. So go get uh, the five frames you want to try. Get them, get them sent to you. Mail them back. Tell them what the ones you want. And then uh, get a wonderful, lovely pair starting at 95 bucks. Thanks very much to Warby Parker. Warbyparker.com slash Dan. You don't want the rocking screws. Not the Italians, anyway. Ah, what's the matter of you? That's no good, boss. <laughs> I sent you uh, two pictures. Oh, of my daughter with the cat. These are from a few weeks ago. Oh my goodness! It, Look, it's that, a little, it's a little cat. Yeah, yeah. That's the day she met the cat. The cat walked up and sat in her lap. Look at that face. That is a, and it does. It definitely has a little scrunchy, squished, flattened little <laughs> little face. Yeah, you also have to you have to trim the hair around its butt. What? <clears throat> you gotta you gotta trim the, the hair around the cat's butt. Why? Uh, to to provide a means of egress. No, really? <laughs> it can't just take care of itself. It's an animal. No, no This thing no. existed in nature for 10,000 years. Why, why do you a lot have of, to... Well, a lot of poop on its butt. I guess. I don't want that. Dingles. So, you know, we've uh, broken up the jobs at the house. My, my wife, my wife has very kindly volunteered for that one. I'll take care of the cat box. Right. And my daughter claims that she'll take care of the uh, the food and water. Right. And also the, 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 the toys. She's very excited about toys. Well, rest assured, I will not be telling either of my children that Uncle Merlin's kid has a cat because that will be the end of that. Oh, really? You think they'd want one? They very much want one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is, it's a little bit like having a kid where there's never a good day for it and there's <laughs> always a bad day for it. Like, I, I just, I can't get anybody in my house to understand that this will become a horrible liability to us, mm. let alone the toxoplasmosis and what it's going to do to our decision making. <laughs> Can I just literally not get started on that? I know. Yeah. So, uh, I got, I got a, you know, you know, the diaper genie, I got a litter genie. For the cat? You know about this? No. Did you guys have a diaper genie? Yes. Okay. We got one of those for cat litter. Oh. So now I can, I, I can take this great swordfish of cat poop out to the, uh. <laughs> Nothing, nothing helps a man's self-esteem like carrying a long plastic sausage full of poop. Wow. Yeah, it's living. Oh. Scoopable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but people do, they love their animals. They love their animals. Last time I had a cat was just at the advent of the scoopable litter era. Mm. Still Flushable or just scoopable? Uh, you can't flush anything in our bathroom. <laughs> you got to be careful with number one. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, okay, I'm happy for you. I bet your daughter's uh, thrilled just to have pretty, this little sweet. She's pretty excited. She keeps chasing it around, trying to find it. It keeps hiding around the house because, you know, the cat has to acclimate itself. Right. It'll take a while. Cats are very territorial. And it takes a few days for it to kind of get used to, you know, where it is, at least. So. And it looks in this picture, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to reveal too much, but it looks as if your daughter is wearing cat ears in the picture. Oh, yeah. That's her bit this year. Okay. She calls that, that's her gag. Her gag this year is that she always wears a headband with ears on it. <laughs> and if anybody else does it, she gets pretty mad. Yeah. Well, that's her thing. Yeah. Pretty cute, huh? Yeah, very cute. <clears throat> So, uh, yeah, we've got a podcast we got to do here. Mm-hmm. We should get now, somebody, started. A listener has suggested, listener Craig has said that maybe I'm hoarse because of an allergy to the cat. Could be. I've had a cat before and I was not allergic. Plus, I'm already, uh, I, I am already genuinely bronchial just from living in San Francisco. Legitimately? Legitimately. I'm legitimately. Oh, man. Legitimately bronchial. I need more coffee. Oh, I haven't had enough coffee. That's the problem. That's what it is. <clears throat> All right. Let me, I'll start some water. Hang on a second. Oh, jeez, there's no water in there. Oh, God, this is a mess. What am I going to do? Do you need to pause the show? Uh, probably. No, I'll be okay. <clears throat> I'll do it next commercial break. All right. Hey, um, I got to mention um, I got to mention one thing um, promotionally. Okay. Uh, Scott Simpson and I do a thing. Uh, I've done a thing, I don't know, for a year Yeah, you've been so. doing this thing for a while. A while. I want to get out there and see that. Well, too bad. Because uh, <laughs> it's it's all over now. Over, we're shut it shut it down. Uh, Three Ring Binder will be having our penultimate performance at uh, the last weekend video Cinecave. Are you really uh, shutting it down? Uh, no. Oh, San Francisco. Oh, uh, last weekend video has to go away because because rents. And you know it's hard to have a video rental store in the Mission. Yeah, it's a long story, but yeah, they're relocating. I think they might be re- relocating to everybody's going to the East Bay. But if you want, if you're very, very fast, um, you can go and get one of the tickets to see us tomorrow night in San Francisco. And if you're not fast, that's okay. You're not miss- missing much. But we'll be doing two more of these. We'll be doing this Wednesday, February 10th uh, and Wednesday, March 9th. And then I don't know what we'll do after that. We'll have to figure it out. Scott does a lot of comedy. But it's fun. You come down into this uh, basement and you can see us uh, do dad jokes, talk about boners, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So if you want to come out, go fast because uh, it only holds a few people. How'd I do selling that? Pretty good, huh? I'm pretty good. I it's, don't in show pe- notes. it's in show notes. You can go find it. People probably don't understand how, uh, how funny it really is, though. Oh, yeah. yeah it's pretty funny. It's stuff. very funny. Have you seen it? I've heard about it from oh. Scott. <clears throat> oh, he told you it's funny? Yes. <laughs> hey, you know what's funny? Me. Yeah, I'm pretty funny. <laughs> hey, Pee-wee. Hey, Pee-wee, come out and see my comedy act. <laughs> it's ice cream soup. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a rough one. I got to have some coffee. What else we got? We got to have your coffee already. We can pause it and we'll edit no, this. No, 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 no. That, that's air. rude. That's rude. I don't mind. Hmm. I want you to feel good. Oh, I'll feel good. I'll feel all right. God, I hope I'm not allergic. I had a cat. I had a cat in the night. See, now it's it's inceptioned right into your brain, right? That now you're allergic. Well, then I know it's not toxoplasmosis, right? It's like if you know you're paranoid, you're not actually paranoid. <laughs> is that is that how it works? I don't know. What are people saying about me? I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Did you know crows can be paranoid? No. I just learned this. Yeah. Crows are so intelligent that they can be paranoid. Only some or all of them? I don't know. Uh, I don't I, well, that's the thing is there's really only one crow. There's, there's, there's the crow. Yeah. 
And it's like a, like a Borg. Like that thing in Star Wars. Oh, and it's connected. All the crows are connected. That's right. That's right. That's exactly how that works. So what do we got today? We got, um, uh, we got a lot of, uh, good feedback. Nice I think we have great feedback. Yes. I've noted some of that. What do you, uh, what do you feel like talking about today, Dan? Well, I love the feedback that we got. I definitely would. I have my own notes on some of the feedback. Yeah, it's like, um, except for this episode, it's been really good lately. Yeah, it seems like it. But I think yeah, this is, like uh, we're warm. We're just getting warm. Yeah. Just have some coffee. Gosh, go make it. Oh my God. Should I make a coffee? Yes, go make it. Okay, pause the show. You want to right. play some music I, or something? I got a marker. All right. No, just take a second. Ah, kettle's on. All right. You get to appreciate kids. Keep it, keep it off. Uh, you get to appreciate the awesome power of the Cuisinart. Mm-hmm. It makes water very, very fast. Kind of like an old man. Yeah. Well, you know, I was, I was thinking about something for you. If, if you are concerned about allergies or air quality or anything, I have a, uh, a really wonderful air purifier that I use at home and here in my office, and it is really, really great. And I feel like it really helps and really makes a difference. And I'm a big believer in like the stale air situation that we have in our homes and our offices. And like it, it, I think it makes a difference and maybe this is, you know, save that. We should talk about that. Yeah. Cause I also got a canary. What? I got a canary. You did. Yeah. And it, it tells, one of the things it tells you is your air quality and a, 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 a like if it's a, dead after a day, you probably have bad air. Uh, let's save it. But I do want to, I'll put it in notes, put yours in notes. I want All to right. see it. Right. I forget which one we've got. We've got one in our bedroom. It's in notes. It's not cheap, it, but I have justification. Hmm. Okay. Rabbit air. Mm-hmm. That's very similar to the one we have, I think. I've seen some that do um, humidifying and dehumidifying too, but that's a little more of a hassle to install. I, I don't care for that. You don't. You don't like changing your humidity. I. I mean, unless I'm trying to keep my cigars in a certain condition, then no. That's rough. I know. Seventy seventy. This is, this is, uh, you sure you don't want to uh, leave this part in? It's good. Sure, leave it in. Yeah, no, it's fine. Leave it in. This is perfect. Well, I can find our filters. Let me see if I can find our cleaner. Well, the one that the one that I like, I will tell the the listeners. It's it's the Rabbit Air Bio GS two point Ultra Quiet HEPA Air Purifier, the SPA dash five five O A. It is not a cheap thing at all. Um, it will filter a relatively large space and my wife is the one that found this and she did extensive research on these and which one is the best and which one is the easiest to like maintain and replace and cost of things and uh this one is just it's really 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 great and it looks like eve from wally in a way i was noticing that the packaging is really cool and the little lights that are on it uh when the lights are 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 off it just looks like a, a flat, like a flat white surface. And when the lights come on, they illuminate from beneath the, the surface of the plastic, which is nice. And it's a really, really, really nice uh, system. It just, it looked, it just sits there in the corner. It's very, very quiet, even on the higher speeds. And I uh, love it. Wow. The filters last up to three years. Yeah. It's really good. We got to change ours like once a month. It's yeah, really, that was the thing really that gross. I didn't want to have to, like, I didn't want to do that, you know? Yeah. 
So okay, water's done that fast. Wow. Yeah. Pouring. Pouring over. Pouring. <laughs> I'm replacing the decanter. <laughs> Hope you're not on a long road trip. Nice. 50 guys just had to pull over. There you go. And we're back. We're back. Yeah, let's do a show. Ooh. <laughs> Rabbit air. Hepa. Hepa. Hepa filter. Filtered. Hepa. Hepa. Uh, are you actually leaving all that in? I think we should. Nice. I mean, it, it adds a certain level of the ambiance, like the cure, you know? Yeah, sure. I love the cure. I saw um, them play. It was great. They did a great, great show. They're a good band. They're an awful good band. He's been married to the same person for a very long time. Who, me? Oh, sorry, Robert Smith. Oh. Who are you thinking of? Me. Oh. Were you in The Cure? No. I thought you said you'd been married to the same person for a long time, which is also true. But yeah, he has. He's, uh, he's, not, he's not the celebrity that you would imagine. He's not a player. He's not out there for the, for the chicks and the groupies. He's there you to make she'd help him help him with his lipstick, though, at some point. Just help it from being so smeared. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Kind of seems like he's been making out with a globe. Ugh. Globe in motion. Okay. Uh, uh. Uh, I, I can't even find mine. All I can find are the filters. Well, I'll try that. I, you know, I, I could be horse because of the cat. I don't think so. What have I done lately? Yeah, I was alone a lot this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just, I descended. I descended. I descended into a lot of television. I watched a lot of television. I figured, you know, it was a good time to binge. Well, yeah, no one can stop you. They, they could try. Yeah. But they're I not done there. that very much. I did that with Kimmy Schmidt. I did all Kimmy Schmidt in about 24 hours. This one I had seen the first episode and then I rewatched it from the beginning. And it's uh it's pretty good. Is that a person? What's that? Kimmy Schmidt? Yeah. Unbreakable. It's a miracle. You know that song Unbreakable or that uh show Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? That's the one with uh Bruce Willis where he's like he can't be hurt. No, no, I think you're thinking Mr. of the one Glass. With the Village of the Dam, the one with the, with the kids that live in a cornfield. Oh, thinking of? right, right. With Nicolas Cage, where he's trapped in like a wicker man at the end of it. Right. The last airbender. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Good with the arrow. Shaman. Broken arrow. Shaman. Broken arrow. I know what I was thinking about the other day was Con Air. I haven't thought about Con Air in a while. <laughs> well, is that the one with Harrison Ford? Huh? No, no, where he's no. The president? I don't think it's the one with, uh, you got uh, Steve Buscemi is the, uh, is, is like the, they're on a plane, remember? And it crashes into Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's wearing the black suit with the skinny tie. I think that's Men in Black. Oh, oh okay. Hmm. You know Boy, what movie last... I saw again that I haven't seen in, in oh, well, maybe decades? The Conversation. Oh, that's pretty good. Did you I, enjoy it? I did. I mean, I had com- it had been so long that I had completely forgotten it. Every I had the vague memory of like Gene Hackman and the little cage and the tape machine, and that was that was about it. And it's uh, so interesting it though. I think that was his movie, first movie after The Godfather. It was yes, it was done. Uh, it was one of two movies in 1974 that Coppola did, and uh, it lost Best Picture to Godfather Two. No kidding. Yeah, 
in the same year, 1974. And Gene Hackman in the movie was 44 years old. And uh, he looks, he looks like he's about 50 or six, maybe even mid fifties in that. (laughs) Right. He looks super old. He's got the age spots and everything. And, and it makes me think that like in the seventies, like by the time when you were 30, you were like, you were an old person at, at age 35. Like you were. Oh yeah. Well, the last three months have been pretty rough for me because I, I keep encountering things where he goes, and that's then he was 49 when he did that. And some of the examples are horrifying. Like Archie Bunker was two years younger than me when oh, he started no. all in the family. No, I think I'm the age that Max von Sydow was in the exorcist. Maybe. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are, that are just, ugh. now look at this. You get, look at John, John Casale. Casale. Yeah. I, oh, I don't know how to, don't trick me up. Look at this. Look at this. Here's his movies. Ready? I'm going to give you some of his movies. Here. Yeah. The Godfather. Yeah. The Conversation. Godfather 2. Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, the Deer up. Hunter. The Deer Hunter. Done. That's it. But that's his movies. Godfather, Conversation. Godfather 2. Dog Day Afternoon. Deer Hunter. Can you believe that? These are just some great, great, what a body of work, though. And he did all that, setting aside the stuff he did in theater. and That's in all in Street. the, like, mid-late 70s. All it's of It's all like eight, eight years, yeah. Six, oh, eight years. Yeah, and then he died. He didn't need to do anymore. Like, he, it was clear he was done, so he left. Mm. You know? I'm smart. I'm smart, Mike. <laughs> oh, man. Isn't that a shame? Yeah. He was 42, 42 when he died. Wow. Dear Hunter, that's a tough one. Diddy Mao. All right, you ready to start the show? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, head injuries, Super Bowl, new cat. I got the Fister. I haven't installed the Fister yet. Mm. Well, that's some, a whole separate thing. That, that might sit in the drawer for a year. Well, I got a caulk and a caulk, I got some caulk and a caulk gun for it. Uh-huh. But I'm still feeling a little timid. I might have to call the dude again. I don't want to script. I don't want to script the bathroom. Not with the new cat. Well, no, it's, you've it's got embarrassing. responsibilities now. I want to, I want to, I don't want to fail in front of the cat for at least a couple weeks if I can. <laughs> I want to set a tone. Uh, we've been getting a lot of email a lot of email in this to our especially pr releases media relations you really want to go there uh (laughs) i just i just am astounded it's actually i have to tell you i was about to remark to you this morning that i feel like it's actually slowed down oh wait hang on a minute and we just got one just got one yep (laughs) (laughs) back to work topic colon safety yes Oh, look at this. You got child safety, solo safety. You can read I mean, more about Bill. You want to read a little more about Bill? Mm. How to be safe when traveling alone, solo travel. I feel like it's slowed down a little bit. Uh-huh. Let's see. Where are some of these that we got? We got a, we've got a couple good ones. A lot of, uh, a lot of people have been in the C-suite. Please note that our office is closed at 2 p.m. Eastern time on Fridays. Hang on. Let me write that down real quick. What in case you want to get, what time get in that? touch with Holly about Bill. Okay, I want to talk. I do want to talk about Bill. What was their office closed again? <laughs> two, two okay. Eastern on on Fridays. Two Eastern. Okay, two Eastern on Friday. Okay, so, okay, that's good because I wouldn't wouldn't want to miss the chance to talk with Bill. No, about safety, soft skills for entrepreneurs. <laughs> Twenty plus years in the telecommunications industry as a frequent C suite member and consultant <laughs> with some of the largest global companies in the world, including name a company which he sold to Verizon for one point four billion dollars. Wow. He speaks five languages and is honest in his insights about how aspiring entrepreneurs can get started. Only five. I save Latin. <laughs> Smart early stage investment strategies I for entrepreneurs. 
tires that grip the road, you son of a bitch. <laughs> How to manage global accounts. Best practice for communication. Book smarts versus street smarts in business. What's the right balance? Sure, fire ways to close a sales deal. He's been lauded by people from Jamie Dos Santos to Alyssa <laughs> Miller. Yes, that Alyssa Miller from <laughs> iMiller Public Relations. What was the, uh, the Will Smith uh, movie with Gene Hackman? Uh, Enemy of the State. Oh, yeah. This is, I, I was reading after I read the conversation, I was reading more about it, and people were pointing out that in, in many ways, Enemy of the State is a sequel to the conversation in that Gene Hackman plays what is essentially the same character with a very, very similar uh, caged studio. I missed this one. I think it's, it's still a good movie. I like Will Smith. Yeah, he's good. He's a, you know, he's a good, good guy, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. Deer Hunter. Didi Mel. Enemy of the State. Now, Gene Hackman, he's done some good things, too. Yes. <clears throat> Wasn't he in that Mississippi movie with Willem Dafoe? Was that him? Mississippi Burning? Finding Mississippi. Mississippi Burning, that's it. Yeah. No, he was not in that. You sure? No, Who I am I thinking? I don't Mississippi Burning. A lot of people asked me when I started. Yeah, he's totally the, in that. He's totally in that. Him and Willem Dafoe. The podcast, The Conversation, <clears throat> which was the second podcast I did on 5x5. Five Five, a lot of people asked me if it was named after the movie The Conversation, which hmm. at the time I had not seen. So I'm going to say no. Yeah, so it was not. It's a good movie. A lot of, uh, a lot of email from people, uh, from nice people too. So, you know, up until this epi- episode, it's been pretty good. Um, and we've got a lot of nice notes from people. Uh, people, well, first of all, thank you to everybody who wrote to say that they were enjoying it or finding it useful. Uh, that's super gratifying to hear. Some people were asking questions. Uh, a lot of people were asking, like, uh, a couple of people gave us some really good reframes of stuff. Yeah. And some people wanted more follow-up and sort of uh, to d- dive deeper into uh, stuff we've been talking about. So let's do that. Let's do some of those things. Okay, let me go find this one. Did you see the one about the shoulder? Yes. <clears throat> that was a good one. Yeah. Is it okay if I just read an email on the air? Is that, is that lame? No, I think it's good. This you got to do, do it like Rorschach, though. <laughs> Opening jars. Self-compassion. Thinking a lot about what Merlin said. <laughs> Last week, back to work. Mm. Blood runs thick with jars, hard to open, shoulder hurt. Mm. Brushak's journal. Um, no, now I, <laughs> I sound like Patty and Selma. <laughs> I know. Remember that time he surprised you with the tackle box <laughs> and the Connie Chung calendar? <laughs> Always had my ham radio. I love this email, and I and I think it it there are m- so many things that we could talk about coming from this. This is uh, listener Jamie. Yeah. Okay. You, you do it. Go ahead, Rorschach. Hi, Merlin and Dan. I've been thinking a lot about something you said, Merlin, on last week's Back to Work, and it just combined with something you said a long time ago in a really helpful way. The idea from last week was that when we look back at our past selves with regret or frustration, we should remember or at least consider that we did the best we could. We did what we could. I've been struggling lately, i.e. my whole adult creative life, with focus. I lose time on Twitter or trawling the internet. And then I get really mad at myself. Right now, I'm working on a big writing project under a tight deadline. And this idea of, hey, I did what I could sounded sounded rather than uh, resigned, very compassionate to me. It's a good counter to the narrative that we procrastinate so that we can say, well, it's not my best, but I finished it to have an excuse for failure. Instead, this reminds me to say, 
This was my best, and it happened the way it happened. This connects for me with another hugely useful thing you said. It might not even have been a metaphor, but it's become a very important metaphor for me. It's your instructions for opening jars. Basically, don't just grip tighter, focus on your shoulder or something, etc. This has become a guiding metaphor for me in thinking about habit change. I can't just buckle down harder. That's often my instinct. No Twitter today from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. I, lots of us do this with food, too. No junk food. 17 servings of vegetables. Try to have one perfect day, just one. And duh, it does not work because we're just trying to grip the lid of the jar harder and harder and harder. The thing I realized from putting these two ideas together is that sometimes our arms just aren't strong enough yet for a particular jar. If I can't lift a heavy weight at a gym, I don't get mad at myself for not being strong enough. But if I can't write for five hours straight or if I long for Twitter, I get mad at myself. I feel like a failure, but my brain muscles just aren't there yet. So what are my options for opening this jar of focus? Focus on my shoulder instead of my grip. Dig deeper to change the habits. Change my approach instead of forcing it. Grab a grippy thing or run the lid under hot water. Find other strategies that scratch the Twitter itch but don't derail my writing. Build up my arm strength, meditate, etc. And through it all, be compassionate toward myself because I'm obviously not not trying. I'm working so effing hard, but I'm working hard at being mad at myself and comparing myself to other people, and all of that sucks, and I'm going to keep trying to stop. Thank you for everything. You're both amazing and are helping me ongoingly change my life with love, listener Jamie. How about that? It's a good isn't one. That, isn't that a, a very nice and very smart email? And boy, there's a lot there. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of really, really, I think really good stuff to think about. The, um, <clears throat> the shoulder trick, I don't know where I heard this, but it's a you know, life hacky idea that you know, assuming it's a jar that can be opened, that most of us tend to think when we open a jar that we should grab it as tight as we can. So you hold, in my case, I'll hold a jar with my left hand and grab the lid with my right hand and grip as hard as I can and try to turn it like I'm trying to knock down a freaking door. Mm. And then actually when you're doing that, you're actually squeezing the lid tighter onto there. And that the pro move has two parts to it. The pro move is you hold the lid of the jar exactly as tight as you need to to keep a grip, but no tighter. And then focus on using your shoulder like as a fulcrum. Like to imagine that your arm is a giant lever and you're using it as a big tool instead of a little tool. You know what I mean? It's almost like a, imagine right. a long crowbar versus a short crowbar. So hold as tight as you can to have a grip, but then use your shoulder to turn it. It's just a dumb tip, but it actually does work. Um, but, but, you know, gosh, that's just true for so much stuff. And that, that, I'm always returning to that analogy of acting like you have to knock a door down. Because I think sometimes we psych ourselves up in so many different ways, whether that's through like, you know, bad self-talk, different kinds of self-talk, but especially negative self-talk. You know, it's like once we realize how much negative self-talk we're doing to ourselves, we try to intervene by doing a lot of sunshines and sunshine and daisies, happy talk to ourselves. Uh-huh. Like, I, wanna, I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to win, you know, and it, it that that's doesn't always work either, right? I don't think so. I don't, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's difficult because I, I am of the belief that, that making the decision to not be unhappy or dour or butthurt about something can actually be useful to say like, Hey, I'm feeling this feeling and I'm done with that for now. Like, do I, do I need to feel this way all the time? I think that's a good thing to realize. But on the other hand, there are times where what you have to realize, I I feel like is that this is true for so many things, whatever it is you've done a lot in the past will tend to be the prologue for whatever happens now and next. And it's, it's going to be up to you to change that in some way if you can. But, you know, again, whether that's something like exercise, whether that's health or whether that's writing or whether that's kindness to other people, the way that you've always acted and behaved, and that's where I go, in, again, go into my Scientologist mode. But if you've always acted in this pretty much the same way 
you know, what's to make you think that now will be any different, especially if you are constantly rehearsing and reperforming all of your perceived failures in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you, the time you saw the kid at the, at the playground walking on the fountain or whatever. And the mother goes, you're going to fall. You're going to fall. You're going to fall. You're telling yourself you're going to fall. You're psyching yourself into that. And gosh, I think there's so much to this. I mean, one of the things is this is, I'm copying this idea somewhat from, from John Sarkisa, but John has this, I mean, he would have to tell you his own version of theory to get it right. But basically that, you know, mental models are useful because if you have a mental model for how something works, on the one hand, you realize it's not an exact map of how the world actually physically with physics and chemistry operates, but you have a model for that. It's a way of framing an understanding of something. And for certain kinds of things in life, it doesn't even necessarily matter if you have a model of the world that can be proven to be correct. It's whether it's a model that works for you. Right. So, you know, there are certain kinds, it's a way of gaming the irrationality in our mind to go. And I'm not saying you should get into magical thinking or something, but if you find a way that you can psych yourself into writing and it works, that's a trick that works. But make, make sure that's a trick that works. The problem is believing in the magic beans that are going to enable you to write something like you've never written before. That's where you get into difficulty because, you know, short of becoming a wizard, that situation's never going to get any better. But, you know, to me, this, this, if you have an idea or, a, as I say, a mental model about how you're approaching your work, that can be a good thing. And if you've got, I think sometimes you have to have a little bit of emotional distance from what it is that you're feeling or what you're experiencing to be able to look at it, like to see yourself seeing that. This sounds really corny, but I think it helps to be able to look at yourself as you are right now. Are you tensed up? Are you stressed? Are you like, you know, approximating the shape of a question mark? You know, is your, are your shoulders tight? Are you like, how, what, how are you carrying yourself right now? Because no matter what you choose to think, your entire body is telling you to be stressed out right now. Right. Right. right? So, you know, it's that stupid thing that if you, if you read these, these books on like self-help motivation and all that stuff there, they, they, you, one thing that you see a lot is like stand up straight, smile, even when there's nobody around, even when it's just you. And as stupid as that sounds, like they've done research and studies that shows that like just smiling can change your outlook, your perspective, your feelings. Just something as simple as just like smiling or going on a little walk and smiling while you do it. Like it, it seems so corny and so silly, but it really does work in a, in a way that is very immediate and just kind of stupid good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like little things uh, yeah. like that, like paying attention to your posture, like you're talking about do doing these things like that can really make a huge, huge difference in this, this attitude that you have. If I can interject a short story, I'm reminded, I, I wish I had the details for this because it's a, it's a lovely story, but there was a writer who had gone to interview uh, a, a pianist maybe a composer who was, I guess was probably in his eighties. And when he interviewed the person, the person sat and was kind of, you know, contra- you can imagine contracted and kind of curled up and movements were very slow and stiff. And, uh, and then when he got up to play piano from the moment that he sat down to play the piano, he had perfect posture. His back issues seemed to vanish he was fluid. His movements were flying up and down the keys of the piano. He played as well as, you know, as anyone has ever played. And 
part of that is because it was something he loved, but it was also he had he had trained himself to adopt this kind of posture, this kind of pose, and he was doing something that that he loved. And you know, if you think about how you play with your kids compared to how you are in front of your computer, you know, or mm-hmm. how you are when you're doing something that you you absolutely love to do and want to do compared to the thing that feels like a chore, how different you, your attitude will be and how different your physicality will be. I'm just reminded of that as, as I'm listening to you talk about the question mark, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think it work, can work on a, in a couple different ways. I mean, one is in the purely uh, therapeutic pep you up way of saying, hey, you know, how about you take a little break from how you, you're feeling right now? And, you know, you could even let's, even, let's even stipulate, you could consider it that you're distracting yourself. Um, and, and just say to yourself, you know, I, I need that distraction. I'm going to choose to just not be sad for a minute or, or whatever. But I do think there's a, there's an, that's, that's still useful. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Sure. Sometimes we, ne- we just need a break. But there is something deeper to that, which is becoming more aware uh, that you're being how you're being. Um, because yes, yes, yes. If, if you're being how you're being all the time without realizing that you're being how you're being, that starts to feel like who you are. And so I think that can be true for sadness or that could be true for anxiety. That could be, can, you know, all the, uh, we always talk about the seven, um, uh, what do we call it? The, uh, the seven uh, dwarfs of bad emotion, uh-huh. you know, all those kind of like, all the kinds of things, those kinds of negative feelings, whether that's anger, anxiety, fear, depression, uh, you know, jealousy, all those different kinds of feelings. The problem is like, if you're not aware that that's a feeling that you're feeling, that that's a feeling that you are feeling, then that starts to really feel like who you are. And you may not even notice it when it goes away. It becomes such a constant drumbeat in your head. Uh, so I'm not sure if I'm, I'm exactly responding to, to what listener Jamie said, but I, I think this kind of gets to this point a little bit because, um, and you know, we talked a little bit last week, I guess, about that Kahneman book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, but you know, you think about the way that you tend to just operate through the day and it's just this ongoing kind of like, you know, din of stuff that you're doing where occasionally you'll get distracted to this thing or that thing. And you'll focus on this for a while or that for a while. But like, I feel like there's certain kinds of thoughts and feelings that tend to have more gravity to them. You know, all the other balloons will float away, but these certain things will just kind of always land right back on the floor in front of you. I think it pays to be aware of that. And what I'm taking from what listener Jamie says is, this kind of beating yourself up feeling of like, I've got to do this. I've got to go eat my vegetables. I've got to go be this good person. And the funny part is like, it sounds like yourself. It's, it sounds or feels like you are coaching yourself positively that you're saying you can do it, but you got to be careful how you're phrasing that when you yell at yourself. Cause you might also be saying like, you're a piece of crap because mm-hmm. you haven't been able to do this. And let me just remind you of that every few minutes. And I'll return to this, this old idea again of like, well, be aware of that and then allow yourself a little bit more lightness to it. Like, how about this? You know what's crazy? Is you could go look at Twitter and then come back and the world would not end either way. Right. There's not the, you're creating all of that. That, you're not, maybe not creating all of that, but you're fostering those feelings. And by allowing those feelings to come in and stay and then for you to sit there and like basically pour water and, you know, and chlorophyll on it, that's what's making them so powerful as a force in your life in some ways. Is that like, well, it's you're like well- it was like your advice to not, you know, like not check email first thing in the morning, not give out these outside forces control over your day, over your time, over your life. 
Right. But yes, yes, yes. But I mean, another part of this is though, if you're feeling vulnerable or you're feeling like a failure or you're feeling, you know, any of those feelings where you go like, ah, like I'm not where I should be and I never will be. There is a certain impulse we all have to seek out information that proves that. There's something to that. There's this kind of sick feeling of confidence that comes from knowing you're exactly as much uh, of a loser as you'd always feared. Because then that provides a certain amount of consolation. You get to go, well, I guess I was right all along. I'm kind of a loser. Right. So, you know, in this case, I don't know. There's a lot of levels to this. And I'll, I'll try not to just dwell on this. But I mean, you know, one level to this is, I love that phrase uh, he used. What was it? Um, focus on my shoulder instead of my grip. Um, if I can't lift to have our arms just aren't strong enough yet for a particular jar. I thought that was really smart, mm-hmm. you know? And then, of course, he immediately follows that up by talking about, I wouldn't get mad if I can't lift all of these weights at the gym. I think that's a very smart way to look at this. Um, you know, is that... Because you, you can only do what you can do. You can only do what you can do, but I think you also need to be somewhat careful about how seriously you take everything to where you're mainly looking for evidence that you're as much of a loser as you think you are and that you will always find ample information uh, that underscores that unless you give yourself a little bit of a break. And, but getting that break means like, it isn't just that you think you deserve that just because you're a freaking human being, but it also means like it does take a certain amount of, I guess I'll say rationality, but something along the lines of saying, you know, these feelings that I'm feeling are, are things that are passing through me. And I, I can choose to make these things incredibly real, or I can just choose it to see, you know, like, like we said before that, you know, I'm, I'm the sky, not the weather. Like this is something that's passing through right now. And that's going to be a storm for a while. And then it'll be something else. I don't know. I, I'm not really going anywhere particular with this. I just thought, I thought this was a very uh, nice and very, very moving thing to write. And I think it's very useful to realize that when you're trying to attack this problem, taking it seriously as a thing you want to do is not the same thing as taking it seriously as something that's a giant danger or yeah, threat. Yeah. When you make something into a threat and a danger, you empower it. You are the one who is basically making this golem out of the land. Like you're the one who's creating this monster for yourself. And the more that you imbue it with all of these special powers, the more real it becomes. It becomes like, you know, it seems like every Terry Gilliam movie has some kind of giant figure. You know what I mean? Like whether that's in Brazil or, you know, in all the different movies or in the the, Twilight, the Monkeys movie, you get these you get these giant fantastical characters that basically represent like our own imaginations, that mm. represent this creature of our own creation. Only we could make the perfect monster to terrify ourselves. And I think that's what we end up doing. And we end up getting good at it. And I think it takes, it takes a certain amount of self-awareness and self-kindness to go like, you know what? Uh, maybe I'll just take a little break from that today. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Well, there, I mean, there's so much in that. There's so much in that. And, you know, one of the themes, if we're talking about themes that I kind of I feel like I've been hearing from you for a while, which I really like, is that sort of feeling of like, forgive yourself, do the best that you can do and 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 move forward in a way that's that's positive. I don't know if the, if that's intentional, but I just I feel like that's kind of a subtext of some of the things that you say. And even if it's unintentional, I think it's there. And I think that's something that's so important because it's for for me and I think for a lot of people, it's such a natural inclination to think about and 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 potentially obsess about the things that we've done or the mistakes that we've made or things that we could have done. 
uh, to the point where we kind of cling on to those things and that, that instead of focusing on being better right now or improving the thing that we're doing right now or putting our best work right now or even having that freedom and space to kind of look at something and say, you know what, I can, I can look at myself, you know, I can see where I am right now. I can see the situation that I'm in right now and I have a choice. And that was one of the other emails that we got was talking about that, that choice that we all have in the moment as to kind of determine mm-hmm. how, how we react and how we want to react, you know? Yeah, let's let, let's let's get to that one uh, in a sec. Let, but, but just to wrap up this one, I I I I like the way you're putting this. Um, here's another way to think of it, and this is going to sound like utter mumbo jumbo, and it might be. But you know, like so many things in life, we 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 assign value to things, and it could be something as simple as this is a way that I want to feel. This is a way I don't want to feel. This is a way that makes me feel good. This is a way that makes me feel bad. This is a thing I want to have happen in the future. This is a thing I don't want to have happen in the future. Um we tend to put things into those little piles and you can put any kind of label on what that is that you want. I'm just going to leave it at this, which is that from, for my purposes in this discussion, I want to make some distinctions that, that may not be completely sensible, but I'm going to toss this out. I think the one thing you want to be careful about is becoming negative. And by negative, I just mean that you are always looking for the angle that is most threatening. You're looking for the thing that is most dangerous. You're looking for the thing that will prove that you are the biggest piece of crap. That negativity in that sense I think is not such a great idea. Criticism is a different thing because criticism means that you're even worthy of improvement. I would be careful of negativity. So let me tell you what I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting positivity per se. I'm not any more than I'm suggesting negativity. Negativity is where you take however the world is and decide to look at it badly. Taking however the world is and deciding to look at it positively can be good, especially if you've earned it and you've gotten to where like you can legitimately try to see the upside of things. I'm saying don't even, you don't even need to get there yet. I'm saying the state to consider is what I'm just going to call not negative. Now, if you want to think of that as positive or as neutral, that's okay. I wouldn't think of it that way. What I want you to think about is being not negative, whatever your version of not negative is. So I'm not saying you should go out and fool yourself. I'm not saying you should go out and do like, you know, know, like huff nitrous to feel better about life. I'm just saying that be aware of how much you're injecting impossible negativity into whatever it is that you're looking at. And be aware that you don't have to see it that way. If you want to choose to become positive or neutral, however you want to look at it, that's fine. But the one thing you should consider is letting go of some of the negativity. I don't know if that distinction makes sense, but if you've been in that position, you know what I'm talking about, where you will find every downside to everything about what you do and how you are. So I'm not, I think the the good-hearted but potentially damaging advice is to tell you to go stick your head in the clouds and be happy about everything. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, ask yourself, do I need to feel this bad today? Like, is that, do I need to feel this bad today? Um, Because you don't always need to feel that bad today. Maybe you have a reason to, but like, just be careful because too many days and weeks and months of that in a row and a big bunch of your life just went by with you being very negative when you didn't have to be. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all I'm trying to say. Go. Yeah. I mean, I I say this so much because I think it needs to be said is try going a little bit easier on yourself. It makes a difference. It really makes a difference. Did you want to tell me about, uh, before we get to the next note, did you want to tell me about something else you like? I would be happy to tell you about Igloo. So let me ask, let me ask you a question. Yes, you're there. What if there was an easy way for your corporate communications department to share company news? For example, what if there's a new onboarding process? What if there's a, a big uh, merger? 
that's coming up? What if you have changes to your, like your benefit plan? You know, they're changing benefits. What if you're switching to a new payroll system? What if employees could find all the information they needed in one unified space? You don't need 20 different apps. You don't need a billion different uh, things to inside. No, one. What if you could break down what Merlin calls silos and share information more efficiently? It would be wonderful. Sometimes in a company, a cultural shift can start with a technological one, Igloo. All of this and more. Igloo is so cool. It's an intranet. Remember that old term, intranet? That you actually like. They have made a special URL. It's Igloo Software, I-G-L-O-O, igloosoftware.com slash back to work. And you can go and you can try it out all for free. You don't have to do like upgrades or maintenance or patches. It's all done in the cloud. Anyone can go in and configure this. You don't need like your software guru developers to go in and, and make this work. Anyone can do it. But if you are software developers, if you have your own product, your existing stuff that you want to tie into it, or you're using like Salesforce or something like that, you can connect. They've got it all there. REST-based APIs. If that doesn't mean anything to you, don't worry about it. But just know that they have it and you can totally customize this. You use what you want, but there's a drag and drop. So you only take the things that are interesting. Am I doing a good job of explaining? No, no, all I, this that is the thing do? I always want to, this is the thing I feel like I always want to mention is that it's difficult to explain this until you've seen how this works, but it's, you do, they're not just going to shovel a bunch of stuff at you. You can turn off or on any of the stuff that you need and that works for you. You will, what's, what's one thing that way it feels so different from other intranets is you're not going to feel overwhelmed by all of, by having to go learn this whole new cult in order to be able to use the software. Like you're going to be able to use the stuff that works for your team. And if you want to integrate new stuff later, you can do that. You don't, you're not forced to go learn this big system. It's going to support whatever it is that you need from day one. Blogs, calendars, file sharing, forums, task management, microblogs, wikis. It's all built in. Use as little or as much as you want. Built for business, built for communication. Go check them out. Igloosoftware.com slash back to work. Thanks very much, Tim, for supporting Merlin Mann's back to work program. Igloo. Igloo. Rumors say gloomers. Remember that from Gilligan's Island? No. no. Rumors say gloomers. What or is... mushroom. I don't remember that. <laughs> what? What? Remember that? Oh, and remember? by the way, thanks for putting that uh, whatever it wants a doll uh, thing up on the Kung Fu grib. I, I never wanted to hear that an annoying song again. When my friend William was five <sighs> years old. It came up on the episode of Reconcilable Differences that goes up on Thursday. And you know what? Guess what? You're going to be so excited, Dan. It's on iTunes. It's on Apple Music. You can go play Free to Be You and Me for your family. Great. You didn't like that when you were a kid? No, it, I, I, liked, I liked the message. But that I did not is, like the, the chorus song. is pretty cloying. Mm. A doll, a doll. <laughs> William wants a doll. <laughs> Don't be a jerk, said his older brother. I know what to do, said his father to his mother. <laughs> Uh, it's all right to cry. Nah, that one's okay. I'm all right. I was with listening that. to it this morning. Oh my god! You probably haven't seen Kung Fu Gripe yet. Are you ready for this? Yeah, you know I'm what I learned today. this morning. <sighs> okay, so uh, explain to our listeners. So, are you you know that song, right? Yes. Who, who sings that song? The it's football, right. the football guy, Rosie Greer. Yeah. Okay, this is from Wikipedia. You ready for this? Huh. After Rosie Greer's, after Greer's professional sports career, he worked as a bodyguard for Robert Kennedy 
during the 1968 presidential campaign. What? And was guarding the senator's wife, Ethel Kennedy, during the RFK assassination. No way. Look at that. Although unable to prevent that killing, Greer took control of the gun and subdued the shooter, Sirhan Sirhan. Wow. Rosie Greer took down Sirhan Sirhan. How badass is that? That's amazing. I had no idea. I had never. How do I not know this? Every little kid loved Rosie Greer when I was a kid. Um, it's all right to cry. Some of those are still the, the, the Mel Brooks, Marla Thomas baby thing is still very funny. What do I know? I'm just born. I'm a baby. Anyway, uh, free to be you and me. It's yeah. on uh, iTunes. Check Ooh. it out. Who knew? Second letter. <clears throat> All right. Hold on. I'm, lo- I'm looking for it. Um, I got a lot so, of windows open. What's wrong with me today, Dan? I think I got the toxoplasmosis. Who's this from, this letter? Who's? Well, I still wanted to talk about Twitter, who's? but who's this letter, this one, the second one? Boy, Twitter. Okay. Um, I don't know. Go ahead and talk about Twitter. I'll find it. Well, in... In this email that we got from listener Jamie, one of the things that he mentions is that, you know, he finds that Twitter is a a distraction, something that he even jokingly says, I long for Twitter when I'm not on it and I want to use Twitter less. I found over the last mo- several months that whenever I use Twitter, and, you know, this goes back to that feeling of like Gil Fronstall always talks about is like a great way to start off your mindfulness practice, whether you're sitting to do a meditation or whether you're just catching yourself in the day, like realizing, oh, uh, right, I'm a human being standing here doing something. How am I feeling? So you would ha- he would have you ask this question, how am I feeling right now? Like check in with yourself. And that seems silly to uh, to do, but a lot of the time we are sitting there like you, I think we're alluding to earlier is that like, what are you actually thinking and feeling right now at this very moment? Chances are you're not kicked back and relaxed and feeling happy. Chances are like you are stressing about something or feeling anxious about something or feeling angry or whatever. Even if you're feeling happy, like it's cool to realize like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling happiness right now <laughs> and, yeah. and, and not just feel it, but actually see that you are feeling whatever it is that you're feeling. And uh, that can be a very helpful practice of centering yourself and kind of why, why am I sitting here feeling angry right now? Or why Mm -hmm. am I feeling nervous right now? Like, what is that coming from? And, you know, as I've been trying to like make these changes, we've been talking about last few weeks, part of me, I've been paying attention to the things that I've been doing and how I spend my day and the things that I do in the day especially the things that are what I would put in the optional category. Like I can't not uh, take my kid to school. I got to do that. So that's not an optional thing. I can still maybe change how I'm feeling about the morning traffic or that routine or whatever, but I can't just not do that. But how am I feeling about the things that are kind of optional? And I started paying more attention to my feelings about Twitter, for example. And everybody talks about Twitter. But one of the things that I realized I was feeling was that it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was making me happy. I didn't feel like using Twitter was making me happy. And in fact, I noticed very 
mild, what I would call very mildly, but almost borderline addictive kind of behaviors of like, I want, I want to check it. And it was weird because I found that I was wanting to check Twitter, but that when I was looking at Twitter, I wasn't feeling good. Mm -hmm. And that's so different from email a few years ago. Yes. And that didn't, you know, I, I started to really question why, why am I on this? And even when I, I would say something that I thought would be funny or helpful or neat or interesting that I would still receive a lot of what maybe I interpreted rightly, rightly or wrongly as, you know, this snarky responses or passive aggressive responses or we attempts at humor that fall flat or other things that it, it didn't, it just wasn't like a, like I, I took my four-year-old girl to school and when you take them to school, you're welcome to come into the class and you can say hi to all the other kids and the other parents are there and the teacher's there. And it's, you know, it's the kind of environment you can only get in a classroom full of really happy four-year-old kids. And it's just such a wonderful environment. And then I looked at Twitter on my way out. I'm like, wow, this freaking sucks. I hate it. And I don't want to feel like this anymore. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try and experiment. I'm going to delete the Twitter apps. I had two, the Twitter and TweetBot, which is a great app. I'm going to delete them off of my phone. And I'm going to take the TweetBot app out of my dock on my Mac. and uh, on on my iPad, I'll delete it there and I'll allow myself if I want to open it up in a web browser and look at it there if I want to, knowing that there are some obstacles associated with doing that. You've got to launch the browser. You've got to open a tab. You've got to go to the site and then you're going to have what is, I think, arguably, especially on iOS, a pretty awful experience in the web browser pretty bad on, on the Mac too, but it's especially bad on uh, mobile Safari, but I'm going to, I'll look at it there. If I really want to see it, I won't, I won't limit. I'm not going to, nope, nope, not allowed to look at Twitter, but just simply I'm going to take away these things that kept bringing it to my direct attention that kept highlighting it and making it instantaneously available and see how I would feel. And if I missed it, then I would put it back. I didn't make any like hard and fast rules. But I just said, I'm going to take these things off and, and, and take it out of instantaneous arm's reach and see how I feel about it. And an interesting thing that I noticed is at, I, for the first day or so, I, I would find that I was taking my phone out of my pocket and looking down at it because that was my habit that I had formed. Of like, look down at it, launch Twitter, see if anything interesting, close it, go put it back in the pocket. After, you know, the first day, I kind of stopped doing that. And I noticed, and maybe this is just me, but I noticed that that kind of, uh, I want to check it feeling kind of was just evaporated. And when I was really interested to see what was going on, I'd look at Twitter on the browser, on the computer or the, or iOS, and I would read it and I would look at it, but I found that it was more, uh, as an observer, I didn't find that I was getting quite uh, pulled in to it in the same way. And I found that to be very refreshing. And then I, I was reading and I also found that that urge to tweet things also didn't go away completely, but it, 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 it was kind of like, okay, I can choose to tweet it or not. And whenever I would feel an urge to tweet something, I would think about my friend 
who used to run a hosting company and at some point got burnt out on it. And he went out and he uh, he bought some land and he started far. He started a farm for like heritage animals. So he's got like heritage cows and heritage uh, like uh, pigs or something like or or some these animals that are like original animals that haven't been like overbred and all this other stuff. And like he's out there like on his farm, not tweeting anybody, not reading Twitter. He deleted his account. Someone else has it. it's a different person now. He's not tweeting anything. I'm not saying I'm going to go that far, but I would think about him and he's incredibly happy. He's, he's a person who's engaged in the world in a way that's foreign to so many of us. And it really strikes me as an interesting contrast to those of us who are in front of computers for much of the day. And I thought, you know what? It doesn't really matter if I tweet this. And I found I'd, I still check in with Twitter, see what my friends are saying, see what's going on. But I I don't really miss it that much and I I haven't I'm not giving Twitter power over me or my time anymore and I feel much better about it when I do use it now and it also doesn't seem like Twitter misses me very much so I'm I'm kind of happy with this I'm giving it a try but I wanted to share that and I wanted to get your thoughts on that because it, this letter touches on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean that sounds like a, like, like it's working for you. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's that's that kind of thing can be can be really valuable. <clears throat> I mean, in lots of ways. I mean, sometimes you just need a break from feeling overstimulated by any kind of media, yeah. including re- read-only media. Um, I mean, I used to read a lot of news sites, and getting rid of that tab set in my browser made life a lot better. Oh yeah, but I don't know. Um, I'm also just always interested in what it is when it's something like like was looking at something like Twitter. I think I just think it's really interesting also to examine like what it is that we're getting away from um and you already described like maybe half a dozen things you're getting away from one is a feeling of snarkiness hostility uh un- probably unintentional but yes people being, I, I think being it's snarky and hostile and passive aggressive you don't like the way that that makes you feel uh you don't like the feeling of relative emptiness that comes when you go and look at it and it isn't actually you know like making you feel good to look at it you certainly don't like the feeling of not looking at it when you feel like the pressure to look at it and all these things kind of, I mean, there's, and there's our other little micro feelings along the way, but I think all of those things can have a cumulative effect to where everything gets this uh, kind of just gray quality. Right. Where there's nothing about it that feels particularly good or particularly awful, but it's more likely to make you feel not so great. You know what I mean? Um, so no, I think, I think that's a good thing to do. And I'm not, re- I'm not recommending it or are not, not recommending it, but it was something that even six months ago or three months ago, if you'd said, take a break from Twitter, I would have been like, dude, this sucks. Like, I really miss it. I don't want to do it. But yeah. it, it, I feel like as my attitude kind of changed toward it, you know, like, I, I even just watching these old movies, The Conversation or Raging Bull or whatever, these movies that were done in the 70s when the world was such a fundamentally different place without smartphones, without computers on people's desks. Like, it's almost comical uh, like to see an office and like on their desk, they've got like a pad of paper, a phone and a typewriter. And like the idea that you could get anything done, like what are they doing? Like nothing's going to get done, you right. know, uh, but like, yeah, we've we've sent people to space and we've built incredible things and we've, you know, made amazing discoveries like with a slide rule 
and a pencil, you know. But you, and, you can't listen to podcasts on a slide rule. Like we wouldn't have a job. <laughs> I know. I have, to, I have to remind a mutual friend of ours about this sometimes. Uh, you know, all that technology that we're running away from is what enables us to do what we do. And I enjoy what I do. And I like the work of other people who do what I do. You know, I no, I, I get you, though. I that's but I mean, I'm not that, saying that, I'm not saying throw this stuff out the window. I, I would <laughs> think it, my desk would look really sad without my screen and keyboard on it. But, you know, at the same time, like it's this. My granddad used to always say, like, you know, everything in moderation. And I feel like yeah. we don't the 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 screens that we keep with us and I'm more probably far more guilty of this than anyone else that I know personally. But we we take these things with us everywhere and the concept of moderation is just out the window. I don't disagree with any of that, but it's also a his, a nearly it's a historical near constant that all throughout you know, definitely the industrial age, but probably up, you know, really since, since anybody did anything but ag agriculture, there's always been this sense of like, we need to get back to our roots. We need to get back to our pastoral past. Mm. We need to get back to this time when everything was more simple. You know, today's modern world is so hectic. Women who are pregnant shouldn't ride trains. There's like, there's always been some idea in every age <laughs> about this need to go back to a simpler time that theoretically existed that everybody understood better. Well, you know, I'm not, no, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just giving you a, a slight reframe of, of, from my own point of view, mm -hmm. which is that, you know, that, that, that past has never existed. That only exists, you know, in the rear view mirror of, of the car that we all have now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's when we look back and it all looks so much, so much more simple. But, you know, you think the world is complicated and overwhelming today. Like, imagine what that was like in, say, the mid to late 1920s. Well, you think you're overwhelmed now. Imagine how people felt then. Imagine walking into buildings and hearing voices of people who weren't there for the first time. Yeah. You know, that was, the, in every age kind of suffers from this. So I, I don't disagree at all. And I, as far as Twitter goes or anything, I think taking a break is a good idea, especially if it starts to just be not fun or you're like, about it. Like, yeah, stop by all means. You know, you don't even have to do what I used to do. You don't have to make a big show about it, but you can just stop. And, you know, like deleting the apps off your phone, I think that can, that can be good, especially if you really want to go cold turkey. But like, I also think there's something not mindful, but there's something interesting in figuring out like where those feelings are coming from. Because, but there is a certain feeling that I bet we all get, which is this, what I'm just going to call agitation. It's not exactly negative. It's certainly not positive, but it's agitation where it's like, Arr! you know, that's just kind of like a Louis C.K. kind of feeling. of Right. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like I got to look at this goddamn thing. I got to go see what all these dumbasses say. I got to watch people try to explain my joke to me. I've got to go over here and like see somebody like trying to get this big meme going about this news story that they read the headline of. And it's just like Arr! after a while. But like, I also think it's instructive to look at those feelings and remember that that's you every time you know, using your thumb to hit that thing. Yes. And like, that's, I, I'm not, I'm not saying anything against what you're doing here, but I, cause I, I do, I think it's a good, and I agree with it, but I think it's also instructive to remember that like, we don't want to throw out the baby with the bath and that the things that make all these things the way they are, are again, it's our own feelings and our own reactions to these things. Same way as I've always said for all these years about email, email's not uh, complicated because it's email. It's complicated because it's coming from people that you can't control. Like that makes it difficult. Yeah. So I think taking breaks and stuff is actually a really, really good idea. But I think another thing to do if you've got the courage and I don't always have the courage is to start following a lot fewer people um, and getting much more broad with the mute if you can't unfollow them. But like, I'll tell you, man, this is my secret shame. I, if I've been following somebody for years and years and years out of obligation, I'll go and look 
and I'll see there's no little lozenge there. I was waiting for that this person follows you and they're not. I go like, oh my God, I'm so relieved. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so relieved they're not following me because now I can not follow them and I'll feel okay about it. Right. Because I'll do that though. I'll have these days, as long as we're talking about Twitter, I'll have these days where I realize like how much I'm looking at is based on a feeling that I had for a few minutes five years ago. Like, oh, this person seems kind of funny and now it's like, ugh. And now they're like on the couch for the rest of my life. And it's like, I, I, that, that's the part that's difficult. Is like, you know, how do, you, how do I deal with all of these expectations that I've helped build up over the years? It's like, there's never a good day to remind somebody that you haven't, remember, haven't known their name in five years. Like, there's not a good feeling. There's, not, there's never a good day to go like, I'm just not as into this anymore. Or like, yeah. I don't want to keep doing this standing event or this, this, all those things are the real complexities. That's where, you know, so anyway, I'm not saying you should go and piss off all your friends, but it no, is No, and, and I, I, I want to interject a statement just to be clear. Like, I wasn't, at a situation where I felt like Twitter was taking too much of my time and I couldn't control. I'm not saying you're saying I was saying this either. I just went to clarify. Yeah. I wasn't in that situation where I was like, I can't stop using it. I can't stop using it. It's taking up too much of my day. I was not there. I don't think I've ever been there with, with Twitter. It was more, I'm not getting the positive experience that I should be getting for as much time as I'm investing in this with no other real reason to invest in it. And, 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 and that's why I wanted to sort of take a step back. And I will say though, that I've gotten much better at doing email without doing Twitter because now it's like the, you know what, it's almost become like the same thing we talk about having like the bedroom, like there's only one, maybe two activities you want to do in the bedroom and, and they, they don't include watching TV. They don't include doing, you know, like, like just hanging out or eating a pizza in bed, like beds for mainly sleeping. Mm-hmm. And, and if you, if you, it, this is especially useful for people who can have trouble with sleep, you keep that as a specific thing. Like, why are you in the bedroom? I'm going there to sleep. And that's becomes the primary activity for it. And if you want to watch TV, cool, go in the other room and watch TV. If you want to, you know, read a book, cool, go sit in your favorite chair down in the, you know, in the den and read or whatever. And, and I almost feel like I don't know how to explain it better than that, but I almost feel like that's kind of what happened that I'm enjoying like my iPhone a little more and I'm enjoying my computer a little more because I don't have a, a, really a negative association the way that I had built up with, with something like Twitter. And maybe I do just need a good break from it. So I'm taking it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you, you're getting onto something um, I think is very interesting. I don't know. I, I don't know if I just got this idea from Bewitched or if I made it up, but I, uh, I have this mental thing I call the, uh, the Benjamin Franklin test, which is like, if I had to take something that was a post-Benjamin Franklin invention and show it to him, like to the, to the greatest extent possible, how could I explain without a huge amount of, you know, detail or prologue or discussion of technological precedents, if I had to show this thing to Benjamin Franklin and Benjamin Franklin said to me, what is this thing for? How would I explain that? And it's interesting because, uh, to me, because... How I would, what I would explain the iPhone is for, look, look at this, let's start with this. What's your phone for? Well, that's changed a lot over the years. Certainly in the age before mobile phones, phone was for something kind of different. Then mobile phones came along and suddenly mobile phones were for more than just saying hi to grandma. Right. Mobile phones were for finding out which kind of salad dressing to get. Right. Mobile phones were for, I'm going to be a little bit late. Um, mobile right. phones were for, uh, we're going to be wheels down in a few minutes. Um, and then the smartphone came along. So, you know, I'm not asking anyone to answer this, but what is this thing for? What do you, what is this really for? And I'm on the face of it. The first thing anybody's going to pull out is go, Oh, it's for communication. Well, like, which I guess it is. 
it, it can certainly be for communication, right? It's a, it's a, it's a phone, it's a music player, and it's an internet communicator all in one. Right. Are you getting this? <laughs> so, but, um, but you know, when I think about like what it's for, like even in the last few years, I feel like that's changing for me, you know, where I'm doing more things like, you know, like reading on an iPhone or an iPad. So I'm not even sure like today that my answer to Ben Franklin be the same as it would have been a, a few years ago. Oh, but, yeah. but you know, the one thing I feel fairly certain is that, that what this is for Ben Franklin is for practically anybody in the world to make me feel things I wasn't aware I was capable of feeling at that particular moment. It's more like it's a little box that can, I can allow to prod me in a million different ways in a way I never would have anticipated. For it used to be a one-bit thing, like, oh God, I'm going to let this call go to voicemail. But now there's so many ways that the world, you can invite the world in or you can let the world get to you. And then once the world gets, gets to you, like the toxoplasmosis, it gets inside your head. <laughs> and so now this phone becomes this extension. So it becomes like the sin eater for whatever it is that you're feeling. And so, you know, that's the part that makes it, well, here's the thing, Mr. Franklin, is it can be a lot of things, but a lot of times it's where I go to hopefully feel a little less stressed for a minute before I go back to feeling incredibly stressed about how I'm not looking at it. Like what an innovation. So, <laughs> and Franklin test. Yeah, I like that. No, it's terrible. It's horrible. It's depressing. I want to, um, if we have time, I'd like to go to Brian's email, listen to Brian, but do you want to tell me about one last thing that you like? Oh yeah. You know, it, it's funny that you mentioned it because just the other day I was sitting there, you know, thinking, just thinking about stuff. Just thinking that's all you were doing. Just that's sitting there all, thinking. It's just in, in my quiet space. Yeah. And I was thinking, what, when did shaving get so expensive? Like, oh God. How did that happen? You know, when did it happen? Mr. Franklin, has it always been this expensive to shave? That's right. And back then he would say no. But now, yes, I was paying a fortune, a small fortune for like store-bought razors until our friends over at Harry's sent me some of their blades, changed my life, mm. changed my life. Best shave maybe you've ever had, I think. The best shave you've had at home, for sure. Close comfortable shave, super sharp blades. It's all about the blades with them. I mean, they do make a really, really good razor itself. Like when I think of razor, I think of the thing you, you hold. I don't think of the blades. They make a beautiful razor. Feels good. Looks good. Good stuff. But the blades, that's, that's where the magic is. And, uh, and they do this at half the price of what you're going to go and spend in, uh, you know, in, in like a traditional store. You got to go into the, Supermax razor prison. That's right. Close, comfortable shave. German engineered blades. Factory in Germany is making these things. The same way that they've made them for, for decades, perhaps even eons. And if you don't, <laughs> if you don't like this, it's, they guarantee it. they'll give you a full refund if you're not happy. So I want you guys all to go and check this out. Don't pay like $32 for like eight pack of blades when you can get them for half price at Harry's. It's harrys.com. H-A- R-R-Y-S, harrys.com, special deal just for listeners of this show, $5 off your first order. The promo code you want to use is comics, comics. So harrys.com, go there now, stop overpaying and, uh, and change your whole game. H-A-R-R-Y-S, harrys.com, code is comics, and you will get uh, this amazing discount of $5 off. I recommend going with the, the starter kit. It's 15 bucks. It'll be 10 bucks for you. You get the blades, you get the shaving cream, you get all the stuff. It's amazing. Harrys.com. Harry's. I love Harry's. It's good company. You should see. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm taking up like, like an eighth of the, uh, of the medicine cabinet at my house. 
I buy them. I buy them. I buy them a bunch at a time. I buy a big bunch at a time. The big, the big bunch bundle. The big bunch. You're gonna want a big bunch of bundle blades. Benjamin Franklin. Oh, you should see this photo I found. A Ben. Oh boy. Old Ben. Better. Well, you know, you know, when you're a little kid, and uh, you get a thing for people. Yes. I, I had I had a thing for for a lot of ladies when when I was little. Ladies on TV. Which ones? In this case, Elizabeth Montgomery. Oh, look at her. I was more, I, lo- I loved her. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I was more of a Barbara Eden. Oh, sure. Uh, she was so perky. Yes. She was very perky <clears throat> and she had her little, her little bottle and everything. It just was cute. Um, yeah. She didn't have too, you know, too much of a temper. <laughs> you know, you come, I was thinking long term. It wasn't a, <clears throat> like a one night stand with her. No, this would be a yeah. full relationship. So you yes. want you want all around balance. Yeah. So you want want a girl you can keep in a bottle that'll do whatever you say. I mean, it's not in a mean way, not in a cruel way. You know, no. the bottle was as big as she needed to she be. Was, as she comfortable. was employed. Yeah. But doesn't she get released at the end of it? What happened? I hope so. All women should be released. She had a wicked sister, though. Remember oh, with, with, the, the, with the black hair? The black hair. She was the one. I, I, did, I think Elizabeth Montgomery had an evil twin too. Yeah, she also she was a, a go-go dancer. Something like that. Was there ever an evil Batgirl? Just Batgirl. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she was good too. Mm. I got an Yvonne. I, t- I told you I got an Yvonne Craig. Gesundheit. Yeah. Wow, look at this. 2002. I was doing fives in 2002. Damn. Five, five who wrecked my sexual cosmology. What are you looking a- at? April 2002. I just sent it to you. Catwoman. Pulled and pinched and hurt my neck. 1982. Mm-hmm. Cat, Catwoman from Batman. Yeah, Joy from the Bugaloos. Batgirl. Oh, Julie from the Mod Squad. And Gwen from Airport. Oof. Mm, mazel tov to me. Is this a rut, like a list that you have going? Yeah, it's on the fives. I just sent it to you. It's in the dingus. Were you more... <laughs> oh, there it is. Were you more of like a uh, a ginger or Marianne? Marianne. I was in it. I thought ginger was just. Mm. Yeah, no, they're 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 both they're both uh, they're both both handsome handsome women. But no, Mar- Mary uh, Marianne, she was she was right in my wheelhouse. More accessible. She was right in my coconut golf cart. You know what I mean? <laughs> that radio. Yeah, they should, they should charge those batteries a lot. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. I was watching. Um, I was watching uh, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Uh, a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pr- pr- pretty bad. What made you put that on? Death of Metal Arc Lemon. <laughs> Let me explain. Uh, Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. Star. Yeah, they Metal were Arc on Lemon. that. Yeah. Metal Arc Lemon passed a few weeks ago. God rest his soul. That reminded me of Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island. That reminded me of Rescue from Gilligan's Island. And it's bad. It's this Dan. It is not good. No. They didn't get the real ginger. They could never get the real ginger. No. Why not? Mm-mm. Well, I think she was adamant. She probably wanted to do legitimate theater. And they kept going, you're ginger. You know? That's a I, anytime, shame. And it was very confusing for me when they would have not the real ginger because it felt, it felt wrong to me. It as seemed a like child. a Marilyn Monroe impersonator, which is not strictly what ginger was. Right, right, right. She's, right. she's based on a Marilyn Monroe style character, but there's yeah. a lot more ginger than that. The real ginger. Just saying. And looking at these pictures of her, yeah. Quite something. She was really something. Who was it? Somebody? Was it John Moltz? I think John Moltz got me a signed photo of Yvonne Craig. No kidding. Yeah. 
That's done by Batgirl. She passed too. Mm. Um, what time we got here? Oh my God. Well, we've gone long. We went, we went long. A little bit long. I don't care. Okay. Uh, so let's read this last one from uh, listener Brian. All right. <clears throat> Thank you to everyone who writes in. Um, that's not a PR person. You know, I say, let me just, can I just say one thing here? <laughs> Go ahead, caller. I say, okay, thank you. Uh, first time PR. You know, I, when I, when I want to complain about this, I, I'm talking about my lived experience as me here. Uh-huh. Like, I don't hate PR people. But what I'm trying to say is that it's dumb for PR people to write to us and try to ingratiate themselves with us by talking about how much they like the show. I mean, I'm, I'm stating something that everybody understands, but I, in my own defense, I don't have anything against PR people. I think it is farcical. When somebody pretends to even be aware of what this show is, and then like what that's supposed to like soften us up to want to have their CEO on, I just think it's gross. And I think we need to say that that's gross. Stop doing that. You are making yourself look like a dumbass mm-hmm. when you do that. Mm-hmm. You are revealing yourself to be an ignorant and duplicitous person when you do that. Stop doing that. No, I don't hate all PR people. But like if you feel the need to constantly defend your profession as a PR person because not all PR people, maybe that's something to think on. <laughs> Page two. <laughs> Listener Brian. <laughs> Listener Brian writes to say, like a lot of other people, the past few episodes have been really helpful for me. Thank you, Brian. Something Dan said last week has really stuck with me. The story about how his son forgot something at school and rather than get mad about it, he decided to be calm about it and a potentially bad morning turned into a good one. That was a good story. Uh, that really struck a chord with me. Last week, my daughter was slow getting ready for school. <laughs> Up here, Brian. High five. Oof. Because kids. <laughs> I felt myself starting to get angry, but caught myself. What if I decided not to get angry right now? I caught myself and it helped. And it got me thinking about the power of deciding or cognitive reframing and how powerful that can be. It can be as simple as the don't say I have to, say I get to, life hacky trick, but I'm finding the mindfulness of what I'm feeling, I'm feeling that mindfulness of what I'm feeling and seeing if there's an alternative is helping me cope with a lot of anxiety. I probably butchered that sentence. One thing I've been doing is asking myself, what would it be like to X? fill-in variable. Like, what would it feel like not to be mad right now? What would it feel like not to be worried about money right now? What would it feel like to be a person who's not sad at this moment? It's kind of like a cousin of Roderick's idea of trying on ideas. Uh, It's really helpful, if only in getting me out of my own head and realizing there are alternatives to the way we're feeling in this moment. From listener Brian. It's pretty good, huh? I love that. Isn't isn't that a smart cookie to say that? Very. And he's, you know... Go, commenting on John's whole thing of like trying it on. Like in, you would a jacket. In Yeah. In a way that's, that's something I think that is, it comes very naturally to him. I think it's something I definitely have, have tried, but I think it it's kind of a really neat exercise for people to sort of try, try on the idea of something, try thinking that way for a while and see if it works. You know, I'm not doing a good job of explaining it. No, I, I think you, I think you are. I mean, I'll, I'll I haven't talked about this in a while, so I'll come back to this. This is a very weird episode, so let's bring out some of our weird ideas. Yeah, something something I started um, trying to remember to think and to say to myself a while back was the following: I've decided not to let it bother me. I've talked about this before, but I think this can be kind of powerful because it's not just Pollyanna positive thinking. It's a way. If you think about that phrase, something happens to you, you notice yourself feeling a certain feeling. You can at any time choose to say, I've decided not to let it bother me. Now, I grant you, this is not too far off from a Serenity Now thing where you might find yourself screaming and like, you know, 
taking sandwiches and toilet paper up to a tower. No offense, Austin. But uh, what I'm saying is like, you still have a choice to say, to say, I've decided not to let it bother me. And when you do that, what you're, and I'm not saying to deny your real emotions, but to remember that like, you know, you do have a certain amount of age. You're not four years old. You do have a certain amount of agency in how you decide to feel over a long period of time. And if you don't think that's true, really think about it. Now, I'm not discounting the fact that there are things like depression. There are things like organic and chemical and plumbing and wiring problems that we all suffer from. What I am trying to say is this. Don't get too good at talking yourself into explaining why you are how you are. Be very careful about that. Make sure you've really read the documentation for how you are, because that might be something you've just come up with that's just a lot of whatever. And just remember that you can, you can choose to feel a certain way and you can choose to not feel a certain way. And you know, even if you can't, imagine if you could. Like it's again, try it on like a suit. Do it as a thought technology. But next time you find yourself approaching rage, remember you did not get there from a zero state. You were probably already pretty keyed up at the point you went from miffed to angry to out of control. Like, do you want to be out of control? Do you want to feel out of control? Well, then just pretend. Pretend that you have the ability to not feel that way. Don't deny your emotions, but also understand that like you're the one who chooses to like to like graft that to yourself, to hot glue an emotion to yourself that you've got to walk around with like some kind of distorted bird. Like you don't have to live like that. So I think that's a technology worth trying. It's not for everybody, but it's probably for more people than, than we realize. And, you know, I'm also with Brian because with the kid stuff, you start to feel like an insane person. You know, we've talked about this. Everybody's talked about this. Every comedian who had a kid has talked about this, that you're not dealing with a rational, sane entity when you're dealing with a child. Yeah. A child has to actually be told that we have to have socks on before we leave the house. This is, this is ponderous to me, but I know that's part of the game. Like we have to brush hair. We have to brush our teeth. We have to do all of these things. But, you know, remember that the kid's not you. They're a kid. That's their job. And then your job is to not be the kid and remember that, like, again, it's not going to make it better. It's not going to make it great. But maybe you can make it less bad by not constantly pushing that bruise and, like, constantly feeling like you have to make it worse and more perilous. What do you think? I, I don't think I could possibly add anything to that. It's, you, have, that's, you have to go to the bathroom or something? You no, go? that's great. <laughs> I love not great. I love your prepared uh, statement. Ooh. Oh, you like the ones where I prepare, huh? Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, I don't think I could add anything to that. So thanks to everybody for writing in. Um, I'm sorry if I've made PR people feel bad. I, I don't have anything against PR people. I, I don't like the people who, who, who write to us and, and take our time up by saying things that aren't true. But I love our listeners and I love the people who write to us. Uh, so where do people, if they wanted to write to us, uh, they just go to the uh, the page for the show, right? Yeah, uh, they can go to the the five by five TV website slash b two w, and right there uh, on the right, there's a little link that says contact Merlin and Dan, so they can go click that and it'll take them, or they can just go to five by five TV slash contact and uh, look look at our list lovely list of shows. Back to work is there. Click it and it'll open up your email app and they they can type right there, but it'll put a little subject line in that we need to help us sort of flag the email. And if you don't want to see your name or something, like give us a pseudonym to, to use. Lovely list. Lovely list of shows. Yeah. That's a weird one, Dan. That's the best. Yep. It's going to go right, right into the hall, right into the hall of greats. It will. People will tell us that. Mm-hmm. Anytime you think it's weird or now I'll you're see? just saying it's weird. Mm, you get to me, Dan Benjamin. You get to me. Anytime you say it's weird, it's good. All right. Let's button this up. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.